looking fluffy today here in the nudie bar down under my name is bundy annabelle and unlike peg i know the difference between a and d batteries well that's good to hear i'm really pleased to hear that annabelle as for me my name is matt and i just repaired the till at the local discount store you bought the batteries from so if you didn't know the difference no batteries for you (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. We are here with Season 8, Episode 24, Assault and Batteries. Original air date, May 8th, 1994. Written by David Castro and directed by Sam W. Orinder. Special guest stars, Cheech Marin as the voice of Buck, Jean Spingle Howard as Old Lady, Jan Hogue as Checker 1, Brian Reddy as Checker 2, Biff Yeager as Man, Gary Simpson as Paramedic, Cynthia Frost as Customer 1, and Craig Benton as Customer 2. And this was a very special 3D episode, and it aired as part of a 3D Foxorama special on the Fox Network in the sweeps month in May of 1994, and Al Bundy himself actually hosted a night of programming on the Fox Network, which also included this episode of Married with Children, and also the premiere of... Revenge of the Nerds 4, Nerds in Love. And even though it's not on the ad, but Ted McGinley is in that movie because he's in, I think, three out of the four Nerds movies. But this was the world premiere of Revenge of the Nerds 4. And this whole night of programming all aired in 3D. So you had to go down to 7-Eleven, buy your little 3D glasses and wear them on that night. Sunday, why just watch television when you can experience it with a one-time only comedy event, Foxorama. First, look who's going country. Whee! It's an all-new Martin featuring Sinead Vision. Then, catch a whiff of great comedy with Living Single in Aroma Vision. Invite the Bundys into your living room on Married with Children. In 3D. And catch an all-new George Carlin show in Grumble Vision. Isn't this typical of Fox? Tomorrow, beginning at 8 on Fox 5. Foxorama is coming. Get ready for an outrageous all-new Nerds movie brought to you in Aroma Vision and 3D. Premiere of Revenge of the Nerds 4, Nerds in Love. Hosted by Married with Children's Al Bundy. Let's party with the nerds. <laughs> Monday at 8 on Fox 5. Watching this episode now in the in the present time, I don't think you would realize it was the 3D episode unless you were told, because except for the little hints throughout the episode, the little meta references and things like that, there's no way of knowing this was a 3D episode, right? No, no way at all, Anna. No way at all. Um, I mean, us poor Australians didn't even have 7-Eleven to buy any 3D glasses from, so as far as I know, I mean, I wouldn't know for sure because I was only three years old at the time, uh... Um, this episode would have been transmitted in boring old 2D for us Australians down down here. Down under. 
Yeah, I've watched. I've tried watching the episode on video with 3D glasses, and it didn't make much difference at all. But this was a while ago, so if anyone out there remembers seeing this episode back when it first aired on the Fox Network and has memories of this, you can you can let us know on the group. Please do um, for your 1994 3D television experience. Because, um, I mean, I've seen a fair few 3D films over the years. Um, when I was a kid, I thought that was pretty cool. Like, wow, look at all the stuff flying at me. But over the years, I've found that, especially as more and more films have been adapted into 3D, there's not much worth um, going for the 3D experience for. If, just, just in my opinion, if, if you ask me, not much of the film is actually ha- worth the benefit of seeing it in 3D these days. Uh, not sure your thoughts are, Anna, but that's just me. Well, honestly, I'm not really much of a moviegoer in general. It's I don't know if this is sad or not, but I don't think I've actually seen a 3D film in the cinema ever. And I've certainly never seen, never worn the proper 3D glasses. I've used the old ones and for magazines and stuff. But yeah, I haven't actually seen a 3D film in a cinema or on TV for that matter. Because I'm just I'm more of a TV person, not a movie person. So there's nothing that's really particularly in- interested me. But one day. One day, but I'm just saying, well, look, most modern films aren't worth it. I prefer TV myself. Uh, yeah, so, in my opinion, not worth the extra money. One 3D movie, well, one movie that did air in 3D back in the 50s is Hondo. Hondo, Peg! I should read out the, uh, the episode info before we get too far into it. So, from our friends at IMDb, Al rushes to finish fixing the basement step before his favourite movie, Hondo, comes on TV. But in an attempt to get some new batteries for his flashlight, he finds himself locked inside the store. Meanwhile, Bud and Kelly attempt to celebrate Buck's birthday, much to Buck's dismay. Um, The title of this episode is a reference to that legal expression, assault and battery. Known Known here in Australia just as assault. Yeah, we don't really... It sort of covers everything, really. But because of American TV, I feel like we do have it. Yeah, I think a lot of people would say assault and battery here. I mean, uh, I actually sadly was assaulted a few years ago, um, so I definitely um, do know my legal terms. Uh, the guy, the guy who belted me was sadly never caught, but it didn't hurt me too badly in the long in the long run. Yeah, you've come through it, and it sucks that guy's still out there, but. Yeah, to, not to scare you viewers, but basically, eight years ago, got uh, was punched by a random, lost five of my front teeth. Uh, that's all good now. Cost cost a little bit of money, but got dental implants for the missing teeth. The rest is still rest still there anyway, uh, and I'm living a better life now. So, yeah, me one, him zero. Absolutely. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> now look, it's my day off, and the Brute Channel is going to show Hondo, John Wayne's greatest movie of all time. Now I know Peg wants me to fix the basement steps, so I need a favor. I want you to come over and hide in the bushes. Then I'm going to open the front door and say, my, the clouds are looking fluffy today. That's your excuse to come rushing in, saying you're having an appendicitis attack and need me to rush you to the hospital. Then we'll go to your house and watch Hondo. Tee-hee. <laughs> what do you mean faster, faster? I'm talking as fast as I can. Hello? He's all, let's go, let's go. Uh. <laughs> Al says the, the brute channel is going to show Hondo. Now, there's a note here that says Brute is either B-R-U-T or B-R-U-T-E, as per the transcript. Also, the subtitles say B-U-R-T-E, which is, and that kind of brute is defined as a savagely violent person or animal. But Brute is a very masculine cologne, 
So I'm wondering what the show was going for. Possibly the former instead of the latter. B I U T E, because you know you sort of think you know brute man. Yeah. <laughs> but Jefferson's a bit distracted because he's having sex in the morning. Eh. Not our thing at all, is it? Clearly, Marcy and Jefferson's thing, though. Clearly is. Uh, and I'm pretty sure um, Peggy is demanding Al do chores in a very, very, um, as a good friend of mine would say, rigged manner. <laughs> Just slightly. Now, to be fair, we'll both pick from the job jar. I'll pick the red one. Well, that's when I went wrong. <laughs> Continue sitting on couch. <laughs> Ooh, lucky. All right, Al, your turn. <laughs> Gee, I, I wonder what it'll be. All right. <clears throat> Fix basement step. Mmm, tough break, honey. Well, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. Uh, excuse me, Peg, I'm just going to get a little fresh air first. My, the clouds are looking fluffy today. <laughs> so I'll pick the red one. But Al's chore is to fix the basement steps. Or step singular. Because this has been a bit of a running joke in the show. It would continue to be a joke because... Oh, what does it? Yeah, it must. Because I don't think that Al actually fixes the step. Because why would he? And I believe it was one of the later, if not the last of the recurring jokes to appear in the show. Um, as, I, as my memory recalls, it was first introduced in season six, if, if my memory serves correctly. The step, uh, season five, the late, uh, late second half of season five in Oldies But Youngins, when the first instance of it is when, um, you know, Al's looking for his record player because he can play the mm-hmm, and oh, that's right. He escorts, he, he escorts Peggy down the stairs. He says, after you, my love, to make Peggy fall down the steps first because he couldn't remember which step was loose. That's the first instance of a basement step being loose. Ah, thank, thank you for that, Anna. I was one season off. Um, still, it was introduced relatively late considering um, how far the show had already come at that point. Yeah, that is true. And we think of it as a, as a sort of a later show thing. And it's one of my favourite little recurring gags. I especially like it when the light goes crooked uh, when someone falls down as well. <laughs> yes! As we've seen previously this season and just a little off the top. Yes! And uh, for all you American listeners out there, um, houses in Australia, unless you're really, really rich, um, generally don't come with basements or second stories. Yeah. Just want to let you know for all you um, Americans out there. So um, the whole thing of a thing of having a basement here in Australia isn't really a thing. Uh, which we tend to store you store in your basements in our sheds. Uh, I don't think I've actually been in a house with a basement. Have you? Um, I have once. That was sort of a. A, a small basement that had been sort of made into a room, if that makes sense. Yeah, very, very rare here. And I think, is is that why Americans call the ground floor the first floor? We call it a ground floor. They say it's the first floor. Is that because they usually have rooms underneath? Because if we have levels below ground, they're literally below ground. And we say, you know, underground or basement level or something like that. 
We do. Lower ground, basement, underground. Uh, that would actually make a lot of sense uh, as to why they say first floor, not ground floor. And then what they call the fourth floor is the what we call the third floor. Interestingly enough, uh, one of the department stores in Perth over here, um, until it got converted to a nationwide chain, until it came with David Jones, uh, they used the American floor systems and even had a man who operated the lift until it changed over. That was when I was about nine. Huh. So, yes, uh, Al says that the Brute channel is showing Hondo. And Hondo has been mentioned before. Uh, You'll remember back in uh, late Season 2, especially in All in the Family, the final episode of Season 2, which has Al Bundy readying himself to watch Hondo in peace during a three-day weekend. But Peg's family comes to visit, and their ensuing problems prevent him from seeing the film, just as their antics prevented him from seeing the movie Shane the year before. Well, wow, that was a terrible run of films. Uh, he, he just can't get a break. I like to think um, these days he'd at least be able to watch them on streaming or um, downloads or whatever. I hope so, but I think if he's got a streaming service, it's either stolen or it's been cancelled or he's been denied a streaming service or he can't <laughs> pay for it or uh, Peg's... Hogging the bandwidth. ...constantly using it, yeah. <laughs> Or it has got such crappy bandwidth that he can't actually watch anything. All of the above, probably. Al makes a passing reference to Hondo in the episode prior to that one we just mentioned, in Fatherload, which is episode 21 of season two. Because when Steve says, you know what I'm going to do with my 50 bucks I won, share it with Marcy. And Al says, wow, Hondo, you are much man. That's just a passing reference, but he's still a fan. So he clearly knows John Wayne. Knows his films. You'll remember back in season four in Desperately Seeking Miss October when Al has his dream, hallucination, vision of his father. And it's like, John Wayne thinks you can do it. He's like, oh, the Duke. The Duke wants me to do it. And then he feels the Duke in him later. And then he's sort of standing a bit like John Wayne when he, when he has Bud and Kelly come downstairs and orders him to make him dinner and blah, blah, blah. And they just laugh at him. But he's actually sort of standing like John Wayne. So. Al's certainly a fan. Yeah, he's just a little fan of uh, Marion Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder he changed his name. Yeah, no wonder. <laughs> <laughs> so Al goes to, um, I believe, uh, do his chore, and then um, he wants to go for some fresh air, which turns out to be a bad move. I, I said, my, the clouds are looking fluffy today, you earless moron! <laughs> I need you to, uh, uh... What? Rush you to the hospital? Uh, yes. Yes, I'm in great pain. What's wrong, Jefferson? Uh... Oh, it is an appendicitis, Peg. See? Oh! Thank God it's not a groin pull. Jefferson must have heard whatever he could through the phone because he does come over and attempts to help Al. But a paramedic also heard them. Good thing I was parked on the street avoiding my supervisor. <laughs> Come on. We'll have that appendix out in no time. Oh, no, no, you see. You have to know. I was helping Al tell him. I was... So presumably Jefferson actually went and had his appendix taken out? Presumably, yes, as he was saved by a paramedic. Yeah. Oh, well. Saves any future trouble. 
So Hondo's coming on at 3.30. John Wayne's best movie. It only comes on once every 17 years. Okay, please let me watch Hondo. Oh, now, Al, it's only 9.30. You can fix the step and watch your stupid Hondo. All right, I'll fix the step. Where are my tools? Well, in the tool chest. And I'm wondering if that is John Wayne's best movie. It's certainly very good. It's certainly up there. But does it compete with, say, The Searchers or True Grit? I'll say from my end, from the John Wayne films I've seen, I liked it. However, I personally preferred The Alamo, The Green Berets and uh, True Grit more. So good, but not as good as those three. Okay, that's fair. Well, Hondo is so rare that it only comes on once every 17 years, which doesn't line up with the episode six six years earlier, but perhaps they showed it as a special one-off and Al got excited. But yes, at the end of this episode where it says, you know, tune in February... 18th of February, 2011. Yes. Oh yeah, what I was looking at just had the year, not the actual date. Because it's next due to come on February 18th, 2011. That is 17 years from when this episode would have been taped, I suppose. So, and uh, February 18th, 2011 was a Friday. And the film was last telecast in 1977. So um, I like to think Al would have watched it back then. But I mean, back then he would have had two young kids. So I don't know. Maybe Bud wanted to watch Rear on Sesame Street or something. Or The Electric Company, Mr. Rogers. So he probably didn't get to watch it in 77 either. Well, something interesting about Hondo is that it's actually a 3D movie. Now, that's interesting because Al's always been a, Al's been a John Wayne fan, as, as we've just discussed, and he likes Hondo. It's been mentioned before. He's, rec- he's, tried to re- he's attempted to record it before. But I'm just wondering if they uh, chose this movie in particular because it was a 3D movie that Al would like, or if it's just a happy coincidence if they had planned this, or they didn't even plan it at all and didn't know it was a 3D episode uh, movie. Probably a combination, because I don't know how far in advance Fox did the whole 3D night planning, or, could, or how far in advance it was written ahead of that. So it may have lined up, it may not have, but pretty bold for a f- film from 1953 to go 3D like this, especially cause considering that a lot of films at the time would still be made in black and white. Yeah, yeah. And I should just explain quickly that Hondo is a 1953 Warner Color 3D Western film directed by John Farrow and starring John Wayne and Geraldine Page. It was released November 27th, 1953. I imagine this whole night of programming was, was prepared well in advance, or perhaps they put it together in a few weeks, but because it was a sweeps thing, they would have planned it quite carefully, I suppose. When the episode was written is probably in an entirely separate matter and probably has nothing to do with it. But yeah, I like to think that they chose Hondo, A, because it's John Wayne, B, it did air as 3D. Because as we've mentioned before on the podcast, these are writers who, you know, grew up in the 50s or remember had their childhood in the 50s and 60s. They would have remembered that a movie like this would have aired in 3D or something like that, you know. Yes, yeah. Um, makes me wonder what TV will be like um, in, say, 30 years when people um, your age and my age are, um, are the ones um, in, yeah. behind TV. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to think and try to predict, but it, it is depressing, though, that 2011 is 10 years in the past for us. Yeah, 2011 is still 10 years in the past. That's depressing. It is, it is. I remember I had almost all my hair. I was in university. Uh, ah, to be 20 again. Ah, nah, screw that. I prefer my life now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you. 
Why doesn't Al try recording the movie? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked it, Anna. Well, let's see. Maybe Marcy and Jefferson finally took their VHS back. Maybe he'd run out of tapes, but then you could then you could easily just buy a new one. Uh, maybe the VHS was broken. Maybe, like I said, uh, the video machine um, had been commented by Kelly and or Bud, because I think Kelly at least has a TV in her room. Uh, yeah, all very good answers and very, well... Very much plausible. The last time he tried to tape it, it got taped over by Peg's <laughs> uncles, King Kong Bundy and uh, the other guy. Yes, and there was no way. I, I, I would not have had a video machine in 1977. Um, <laughs> we don't know who was living to next door to them at the time, but considering that it had only been released in 1976 and uh, there, was, there, was, there were Umatic tapes and other formats, but I'm pretty sure video machines in the late 70s were basically toys of very rich people. Yeah. Yeah, certainly a good explanation to me. You know, there is something else that needs fixing down there. Light bulb out? Yeah, that's it. Give me the flashlight, Peg. Now, how am I supposed to do my job and yours? I tell you, now I know how Hillary feels. Right, so Alf has fallen down the steps. And that's become a recurring, a running gag, as we've mentioned. Uh, this time the light didn't go crooked, which I was a bit disappointed about, but maybe they just wanted to focus on the step. Al asks Peggy for a flashlight, and she says, now I know how Hillary feels. I mean, that joke takes on a new level these days, because obviously, um, at the time, she was the, she'd been the, Hillary Clinton had been the first lady for around, just over a year, and now, watching 2020, she's been, um, well... Obviously, first lady for another seven years. Then she was a senator. Then she ran for president and lost. Uh, yeah, that that joke is a bit, little bit feels a little bit different now. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's a, a better joke or because of um, what's happened since or or not. But back in January of '93, then President Clinton named Hillary to chair a task force on national health care reform, hoping to replicate the success she had in leading the effort for Arkansas education reform. Unconvinced regarding the merits of the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, she privately urged that that passage of health care reform be given higher priority. The recommendation of the task force became known as the Clinton Health Care Plan. This was a comprehensive proposal that would require employers to provide health coverage to their employees through individual health maintenance organizations. Its opponents quickly derided the plan as Hillary Care, and it even faced opposition from some Democrats in Congress. Some protesters against the proposed plan became vitriolic, and during a July 1994 bus tour, to rally support for the plan, Clinton wore a bulletproof vest at times. Failing to gather enough support in the floor vote, the proposal was eventually abandoned in September of 1994, and Clinton later acknowledged in a memoir that her political inexperience partly contributed to the defeat, but cited many other factors, including the First Lady's, lady's approval ratings, etc., etc., yeah, what's happened since then? Um, I mean, just on a little political related tangent, I actually this morning before work uh, rewatched the beer text episode this morning. Fittingly enough, ah, <laughs> read my lips. Don't text beer. Yeah, Married Children was never a, a political show per se, but they just you know they had touches of um, biting comments here and there, and references like this, or the very occasional political 
slant on an episode like the beer tax episode or even a, a random comment like Peg's comment about Hillary here. Peg, do me a favor. Go to the store and get me some D batteries. Well, what are you going to do? Don't worry, Peg. I'm not going to be having a good time. I'll just do what I can in the dark. Oh, like during sex? <laughs> no, Peg, I can't fake fixing a step. Okay, Al, I got your batteries. Peg, these are A's. I needed D's. A's, D's, what's the difference? <laughs> They're too small. Then use a lot of them. Better yet, Alex changed them for bullets. Now, something I find odd is that Peg buys the wrong batteries. You would think that Peg would know what a D battery looked like. You think, because um, as he go, go up the letters from AAA to AA to C to D, they get bigger and bigger. I mean, I haven't used a D battery in anything for years, but uh, I do I do know that they're the, they're the biggest of the ba- batteries that you buy buy in the shop. I don't really anyone's already bought double A's these days for my Xbox. I think batteries these days are getting like the one things we need them for are getting smaller smaller because, like you, I've bought double A batteries more than anything, and but. But also now I've bought some AAA batteries for various remotes or whatever. But most things take AA. So it's either AA or AAA. So they're getting smaller. But Al needs D batteries for things like a torch. And I think the torch that I had around the house is the last thing that took a D battery. But also Peg should know what a D battery looks like because just less than a season later, Al will say something like, you can change six D batteries in the dark, but you can't find a two-ton automobile in broad daylight. <laughs> I did think, um, Peg, have you sp- did you like spend a whole week of Kelly alone or something? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. Hmm. Well, speaking of Bud and Kelly, they come in and um, Bud looks in the tool chest, which is the couch. Hey, Kel, we got any D batteries? Yeah, I think there's some in the tool chest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Kel, check this out. It's Buck's birth certificate. Wow. According to this, he was born 10 years ago. God, that would make him 10 years old. (laughs) (laughs) And they wanted to neuter me. Even I've got a proper tool chest. I don't keep my tools under the sofas. Even I've got a proper toolbox and it's not under the sofa. Although I see the logic. But I have a big bone to pick with the show about this. Because how can Bud, or anybody for that matter, find a birth certificate for Buck the dog, which has presumably been there all these 10 years, when the couch burned down about nine episodes ago? Yes, a massive continuity error there, writers. Huge continuity error, and continuity problems are nothing new for many shows, this show included, unfortunately, but, you know, something like that is... Especially that's something that's happened in this season already. People can be like, huh? Yeah, I mean, the same season, as you said. Um, I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, um, surely they would, wouldn't would forget that quickly about the whole sofa going on fire and engulfing everything. Um, unless, of course, um, the document was stored somewhere else and then moved under the sofa in the interim. Yeah, maybe Buck found it himself somewhere and tried to hide it so they wouldn't do all these activities and things with him. 
I mean, you could you could think of a, a plausible explanation, but really, it's just a huge continuity goof. Just a little one. But yeah, only people watching the show over and over in sequence will sort of really pick up on this. Um, as episodes themselves, it doesn't really matter. It, I personally think burning the couch down, the original couch, was a mistake anyway, because it, it just seems like such a shame. And then have a, a replacement lookalike come in. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds like I'm alluding to people replacing characters or dogs replacing dogs on TV shows, but I, I'm not really. I'm just, I'm just saying it's a shame. They say, oh, Buck's 10 years old. And the math does check out. Or I should say the math checks out for our American friends. Buck was born, according to the internet at least, in 1983. So we can argue that he was born in, say, late 1983. This is May or recorded, say, March, uh, April 1994. So Buck is not yet 11. So he was born 10 years ago. He would make him 10 now. He dies in a couple of years' time, um, not to get maudlin or anything, but Buck did pass away in real life at the age of 13 in 1996. It also fits because Buck was hardly a puppy when the show began in 1987, so it also fits with that as well. Yeah, I believe he was three years old when the show began, which was, you know, filmed December 86, aired April. 87. Exactly. So they want to do something nice for him. Take him out for some exercise. No, you need food for that. We could take him to the park. Well, funny you should mention exercise and food because I, I definitely agree with Buck. I do. I mean, I, I definitely need fuel for my gym workouts, especially in the time I've been reopened here for two months. So, Buck, you're on the money there. You can't lift iron without food. Mm. Or, or chase frisbee or anything like that. Hey, we can take him to that park where all the dogs play together. Yeah. You mean where the Rottweilers hunt? <laughs> Come on, boy. We are going to have the time of your life. But I hate Rottweilers. Hey, can't I play with the drug-sniffing dogs? You know, they're so laid back. <laughs> Got a bit of a story about Rottweilers. So my uncle in Wales, uh, he actually owned an insane Rottweiler. So I'm actually with Buck in this one. Uh, this Rottweiler, Suki her name was, uh, she's no longer with us. Uh, if you went to my uncle's house, you would, if you sat on the sofa, she'd steal your seat. She charged you for no reason. She used to r run around the house, basically claim territory as her own, own the backseat of the car if you were sitting on it. Uh, so Uncle Stuart, if you ever listen to this, uh, um, so sorry Uncle Stuart, um, but... Al Bundy's dog would not have liked Suki. Hmm, if only you could have played with one of the drug-sniffing dogs. You know, they're so laid back. Yeah. But I'm going with you. No, Peg, if you go, you'll want to shop. I'm just going to run in, get the new batteries, and go out. Look, Al, I was just at that store. There is absolutely nothing I want there. Now, let's go. But Peg, Hondo's coming in! <laughs> <laughs> you'll notice um, that first time when Al sends Peg off to buy batteries, he picks up a coat and shoves it in front of her before she gets off the couch. Uh, a, I don't know why it's a black coat, because Peg has sort of always worn, you know, a fur-lined coat or a leopard print, something or other. And B, this is an obvious um, pregnancy hider, because they keep having devices in the later half of the, the second half of season eight to cover her very obvious growing belly. Yeah, it's a nice bit of a cover there for um, a very confused um, Peg, who is about as dumb as Kelly here, as I mentioned. And Al, Al starts to wonder, he wants bullets instead of batteries. So they both go down to the shop this time. And the shop they go to is called uh, 
Save Some, which um, I believe is a parody of the likes of Family Dollar and other dollar stores over in the US. The equivalent here for Australians would be things like The Reject Shop, Red Dot, and uh, various other $2 stores. We've got a local chain here called King Kong. Uh, basically, that sort of shop. The equivalent of a dollar store, 99p store, $2 store, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I, I do like the name of it, Save Some, and it's spelled like Sav Some. Yeah, yes. Making fun of all those places that spell their names differently or as as small or as short as possible. I, I suppose here where we used to have Bilo. Do you remember Bilo? Did you ever have that in WA? We had them in regional areas, I think, but uh, I do know of them, yes, um, hence, the, hence the spelling. And uh, there was actually a band from the 70s that made a very good living out of um, misspelling um, their song titles. Uh, which That would be the 1970s um, band, British band Slade. Ah, yes. Come on, feel the noise. Cause I love you. Mama, we're all crazy now. But yes, definitely right for Google for all you listeners out there. Um, good um, good feeling um, British early 70s band. For, definitely worth a listen. And like Save Some knows the effectiveness of intentional bad spelling. Well, hey, we're in a shop that sells Christmas icicles in May. <laughs> hey, do we really need Christmas icicles? It's May. <laughs> well, you'll thank me in December. Only if you leave me in November. <laughs> and it's February here now. We've missed Christmas. <laughs> now, our good friend Luigi, he has a theory that that reference, that exchange, may be a reference to an obscure pun on the song Will You Love Me in December As You Do in May, which was written in 1905 by James J. Walker, not Jimmy Walker, not to be confused with Mr. Dino Might. And he was later mayor of New York from 26 to 32, a flamboyant politician who was a liberal Democrat and part of the powerful Tammany Hall machine. He was forced to resign during a corruption scandal. But yeah, there is a song called Will You Love Me in December as you do in May. And Luigi at least thinks that what Alan Pegg just said is a, ref- is a pun on that. I think Luigi's on the money. Um, so I mean, because a, lo- a lot of TV shows over the years do reference um, old songs. Uh, well, I mean, it's, so it is very plausible if you ask me. I mean, Married to Children has in the past. Uh, I was um, rewatching. Um, previous viewers, listeners to the Austra- Team Australia would know I'm a fan of All in the Family, and uh, there's actually two episodes of that named after the song Heat Wave, written by Irving Berlin. Uh, we're having a heat wave, a tropical heat wave, and um, Archie's wife Edith is singing and he talks to the cipher. Uh, so I think Luigi's on the money here with the song reference. I think he is too, and, and sort of disappointed I didn't pick up on it, because I'm usually pretty good at finding these weird references or, or something that doesn't sort of sound right in a, an exchange like that. So they're in Save Some <laughs> and Peg's got a trolley full of stuff. Al's got his batteries and then Peg notices that Oh look Al, they're doing a full house in 3D 
Is the third dimension the funny one? <laughs> Gee, I don't know. But these glasses are annoying. <laughs> well, at least you look stupid. I thought that was hilarious. I mean, uh, I've never actually been a fan of Full House myself, so I love that line. Uh, I, I didn't watch it as a kid, and I tried watching it uh, when I was uh, late in high school, and honestly, I thought it was just, um, well, cheesy. I think you had to actually be a kid at the time to really like that show. I just thought it was, well, cheesy and corny. You're not alone, because I'm not a fan of that show, and yeah, cheesy is a good word. I mean, it's very... You know, if I think cheesy sitcom, I think something like Full House. I did watch it a bit when I was a, a young kid and didn't know much much better. But I always thought the best character on that show was Kimmy. And she's not even one of the daughters. And incidentally, Kimmy did do... Um, uh, there is an episode or a dream sequence somewhere that Kimmy actually dressed up as Peg Bundy in a, in a dream or a fantasy sequence. That's on YouTube as well. Yeah, I thought that was neat. I always thought she was the best one on that show anyway. <laughs> a random story. I watched Full House on a rerun, say, a few years ago, just randomly. And I wasn't feeling too well to begin with. And I thought, okay, I'll just go to bed. And I thought, hmm, I'm not feeling great. I started watching Full House, so I knew I wasn't feeling well anyway. And no word of a lie, about halfway through the episode, I had this sudden mad urge to go and be sick. And I was, I literally threw up. And the fact that I was watching Full House did not go unnoticed by me. Oh, poor, poor you. <laughs> I mean, no wonder you felt even sicker. I mean, I haven't seen Full House since I was 17, as I mentioned, and uh, I can, but I can definitely see how it would induce sickness. It's just too sickly sweet. And uh, yeah, so I think it kind of proves my whole, you had to be a kid at the time to fully fully dig it. I, I mean, it's one of the old shows that probably would, doesn't get too many new fans, unlike, say, Married to Children or Cheers or um, The Wonder Years or really pretty much a lot of other shows from that same period. I mean, the whole TGIF ABC shows, um, I think you really had to be a kid to, at the time to enjoy those. I mean, not just for us, also Family Matters, Step by Step or all those sickly sweet shows. Yeah, Family Matters was probably the the best one of that lot. That that was actually quite fun in its way, even though Urkel got so annoying. Yeah, Full House. And now that they've done and about to finish up Fuller House on Netflix, and why if we can't if we can have Fuller House, why can't we have Married with Grandchildren? Thanks to that meme, I did actually watch out of curiosity the first episode of Fuller House, and what it does is it focuses on the daughters and their families and we were watching it and we're like we would rather if it was focused on you know the people we did before you know with um the father and uncle joey and uncle jesse i mean because john stamos can still get it and but yeah they they are in the show but they're not then part of the main cast and that was very disappointing and yeah the show is just even more sickly and twee and you know you know family is awesome type than it was before, but I didn't want to watch any more, so I didn't in case I was violently ill again. Good on, good policy, good policy. I haven't even bothered watching Fuller House. It had to be some sort of really bad situation for me to even contemplate turning that on. Uh, I, I've got a friend who likes it, but that's, he actually liked Full House back in the day, so... Uh, and like us, he's a bit of a TV buff, so it's understandable he would have watched it, but unless I'm really, really, really sick, I think even sicker than um what's going around about around right now... Um, uh, it will be, yeah, be a very dark day in o over here for me to watch Fuller House. 
I swear, Your Honor, it was just the first episode. Yeah, just purely for curiosity reasons. I'm like, oh, I want to see what they've they've done here. Is it any good? Yeah, but seriously, don't don't waste your time. Excuse me, uh, my twenty six cats are waiting for these three cans of liver feast. <laughs> Do you mind if I cut in? Well, age before beauty. <laughs> Thank you, beauty. You're welcome, age. <laughs> You know, Hondo's coming on pretty soon. You know, it's, it's a story about the Wild West. You, you remember the Wild West, don't you? Aren't you that mean shoe salesman at the mall? Uh, no. Uh, you must have me mistaken for someone else. Check stand two is now open. Ha! Yes, I am that shoe salesman. And I don't need your stinking place in line. Eat, shoe, and die. <laughs> So, this is where we meet an old lady by the name of Jean Spiegel Howard. Now, this lady will be familiar to Married Children viewers who have seen the whole show, because she appears in a total of four times throughout the show. This is her first episode, so if you're watching it in real, watching the show in real time, welcome. <laughs> uh, but she, Jean Howard is her name, well, Jean Spiegel Howard, as she's credited, and she's probably, let's be fair, best known for being the mother of Ron Howard. And there's an episode next season the podcast will be exploring soon, which features both her and Ron Howard's brother, her son, Clint Howard, who's a, a famous actor in his own right. And also in the very last episode of Married with Children that was ever filmed, Ron Howard's father, Rance Howard, appeared in the show. So all these family members... Except Ron himself have been in this, have been in Married with Children. So this old lady, Jean, she is credited as old lady. That's why I called her an old lady. But this is her first episode, and I love her to bits. I think she's fabulous as the sort of sweet-looking, very um, nice, dear, lovely old lady. But then she has got this vitriol that's just amazing, and she's got this awesome voice to spit that these things but she's very sweet and then yeah very vitriolic do you like this lady i do and i like her even more now that i know she's uh ron howard's mum. see um until you mentioned it i actually didn't know that to make the connection or um i didn't well now i know um it actually makes sense because um they've made a few references to the andy griffith show and married her children and obviously ron howard or as he was known back then Ronnie Howard was a, one of the main cast members as Opie. Um, I mean, obviously, at the Andy Griffith Show parody opening, you had um, You Better Shop Around, where you got the beaver and Kelly and Butter calling him Opie. So no surprises they got Opie's mum on the show. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And um, uh, was Ted McGinley on Happy Days the same time Ron Howard was? No, he wasn't, was he? Uh, I, thought, I, mean, I think he'd Howard... left by then. Yeah, I think he'd left around 80 or 81. Um, I haven't seen all of Happy Days, so I'm not sure exactly when Ron Howard left. But um, the, the, better, the, the happier days of Happy Days were long gone by the time <laughs> Ted McGinley joined. Yes, and just as an aside, he did not ruin that show. Nope, nope, nope. They added so many, they added so many more characters to Happy Days. I mean, I could write a thesis on how Ted McGinley should not be the patron saint of Jump the Shark, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. No. <laughs> anyway. She's a fabulous recurring old lady and yeah, <laughs> age before beauty. 
Yes. But she's got literally four trolleys with her, I think. And then, yeah, she turns around and says, aren't you that mean shoe salesman at the mall? (laughs) (laughs) And then one of of the first owl quotes I ever remembered him saying was, eat, shoe, and die. (laughs) (laughs) And I loved how she recognised him as the pet nasty shoe salesman. (laughs) Gotta see Hondo, gotta see Hondo. Um, sir, would you let me in front of you, please? Don't call me sir, you cliff dweller. It's bad enough you ruined my morning. Yeah? Well, you think hearing you scream ride me like a show horse did me any good? <laughs> let me go in front of you and I'll be out of what's left of your hair. Just relax. This is what it's like to be a part of civilization. Oh, wait, I have a coupon. Unfreaking believable! There's always one. <laughs> <laughs> sir. <laughs> yeah, sir. We let me let me, we let me in front of you. Apparently, Al did ruin her morning. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh man, that paints a picture. And I noticed that um, Marcy appears to be paying with cash in pennies. How 1994 of you, sir? Oh, did Marcy pay in pennies, or was it the guy in front of her? Uh, there were at least two people who paid in pennies. Uh, and for you Ameri- American listeners, uh, I, I can't remember if Marcy paid in pennies, but there were at least two people paying in pennies, one with a big amount, one with a massive amount. Uh, but for American listeners, uh, here in Australia, we actually got rid of our pennies, or one cent and two cent pieces, years ago. I don't know the exact year, but they have been legal tender um, in my living memory. Yeah, yeah. And it was the aforementioned old lady who has the the bigger amount of, of pennies, not Marcy, because I think Marcy wanted to get in and out as soon as she could. No pun intended. No, no pun. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of uh, money, someone else is paying with Confederate money. And that's just a joke that, you know, people have old banknotes stored away. But technically, Confederate money was last issued in 1864, so it's not legal tender. And a US note issued in 1864 is considered... Legal tender, although its although its intrinsic value is higher than its face value today, the intrinsic value of a Confederate banknote is also higher than its face value, but again, is not legally redeemable. So I think redeemable is the word there. Yeah, and also notice that um, I mean Chicago was nowhere near the Confederacy. I mean Illinois didn't even border a Confederate state. So I'm not sure where they were going with exactly there, aside from the um, old part, because um, you had to go for at least one other state to get to an old Confederate state. Not sure what they were going with exactly there, aside from the whole ancient or older angle. Hmm. Yeah, I wasn't too sure, but I guess you know people just hold on to money for a long, long time. So yeah, I was still stuck in the store. No, don't worry, I'm paying cash. Thank God. Yeah, my wife and I put a penny in every time we make love. <laughs> We're like rabbits. Good. On Easter, I'll dip you both in chocolate and break your heads off. Al says, good, on Easter, I'll dip you both in chocolate and break your heads off. <laughs> Which is a funny line, but I'm just wondering if he means... This Easter or the Easter he's about to wait a whole entire year for? Or it's just a random comeback? You know what I mean? 
Probably just a random comeback, because this, this would have been filmed before Easter, I'm guessing, but not aired until after Easter. So, I say it would be one part Easter was around the time of it was filmed, and also one part just random, because most people would associate um, Easter with um, chocolate, perhaps even more than the religious um, meaning behind Easter these days. Yeah, I think is I was just looking for an excuse to... <laughs> dip you in chocolate and uh, an excuse to eat a rabbit because he says we're like rabbits but just for argument's sake if nothing else or whatever Easter in 1994 was in April on Easter Sunday was on April 3rd so good Ooh. good, good Friday was um, April Fool's Day Oh, so I got too excited because my birthday is actually April the 3rd so Easter that year was my third birthday Oh there you go and I'm pretty sure, I've seen old photos, I'm pretty sure my mum made me a rather chocolatey cake that year, which looked like a, fa- uh, looked like a farm or a, with a lot of um, dirt on it. So um, it, I had a very good time. Um, it looked like, the pictures of that year looked like a good time eating that chocolatey cake. So it wasn't a chocolate rabbit? No, I don't think there were any rabbits. I'd have to look at the photo again and ask my mum. But yes, um, so mum, if you listen to this, I know you will, will anyway, but... Um, you got a good big good big job ahead of you for my thirtieth this year. <laughs> but yeah, so a uh, nice Easter reference there. Uh, and I also noticed in the shop that um, there appears to be a n- little nice product placement energizer with with the batteries against the checkout. I couldn't have but noticed that. Yeah, perhaps they were a sponsor because they have mentioned energizer before and in this season. So. Yeah, you're prob- it's probably product placement. My wife bought the wrong batteries, and since I can't exchange her, I'd like to exchange these for these. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in my day, you just pushed the buttons a little bit, the register went ching-ching, and the drawer popped out. That's a fascinating story, sir. <laughs> but these days, we have computers, and they make things a lot easier and quicker. <laughs> computers down. Sorry, sir. You'll have to wait. <laughs> and Bundy Luck dictates that oops, computer's down <laughs> but Al can't wait uh, the clerk would call security if he could um, but oh, computer's down Al can't leave the store computer's down I mean, and this was 1994 so computers were widespread but nothing like they were today uh, and uh, believe me um, I mean, I used to work fixing people's computers so they could actually do their jobs properly so I know how vital they are so I'm actually really feeling for Al here because um, he's basically trapped by um, failing computers just what Al wants <laughs> I love the cashiers, I love how it was all cheery and had that stupid cheery grin and then he got all serious in the sec- after the break. If I knew how, I would call security. <laughs> so Al tries to leave. Just keep the stinking batteries. I'm taking my business elsewhere. <laughs> Open these doors. Can't. The computer controls them too. <laughs> and you just lost your place in line. <laughs> Back to Bud, Kelly, and Buck. Buck has had, well, a great time. <laughs> Call 911. <laughs> K911. Well, now what do you want to do with him? Mm. Hey, I know. Let's play. Anything but frisbee. Frisbee. Not the disc of death. Oh, look at his eyes light up. <laughs> I tear out both their hearts of my teeth when in a glass of my doghouse. 
for some reason, Kelly and Bud keep things going and they want to play a game of Disc of Death. <laughs> Which is, uh, hang on, uh, isn't that Frisbee? Anything but Frisbee. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, obviously K911 is obviously a pun on K9, but it also reminded me of um, K9 from Doctor Who, a robotic dog that was um, one of Doctor Who's companions in the late 1970s when um, Tom Baker was playing the Doctor. Yeah, um, that reminded me of Doctor Who as well. And K9 did come back, I think, in the David Tennant years, but I haven't watched Doctor Who for so long. I mean, Doctor Who was on in the US, but um, for some reason, I can't imagine the writers or, or, or creators of Married to Children having watched it, because I don't know how popular it was in the US, but I know it has been on there, so I don't know if this is a coincidence or they happened to watch K9 and throw it in the episode. Mm, it's probably just a coincidence, just a, a quick pun on 9 and K9. However... There is a movie called K9, and do you know who's in it? Who's in it? Ed O'Neill. Oh, when did that come out? That came out in 1989, uh, or at least filmed then, but it's a, it's a movie, it's a dog movie, obviously, with um, Jim Belushi, and Ed O'Neill plays a cop in that. You know, I haven't seen this film with um, Ed's. I've seen Disorganised Crime, which is from, um, again, the late 80s, if 88 or 89, but I haven't seen this one. Uh, but as I said, I watched a lot of K-9 um, many moons ago when I was still in high school, pre-Bundy days when I was uh, 14, uh, much to mum's disapproval. Naughty, naughty. Well, she only did, she, it wasn't the content. She just thought it looked stupid and, and um, low budget and um, bad. She just thought, oh, this show is terrible. Look how bad it looks. And I'm thinking, Mom, it was the late 70s. <laughs> it's not like today. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ed is not, he doesn't have a huge role in, in K9, this film. Um, he's around about near the beginning, but he plays a, a sergeant and who sort of gives Jim Belushi's character a a police dog, basically, and hijinks ensue. This is released... Wikipedia says it's released three months before Turner and Hooch, which is probably the more famous dog movie. That's the one with Tom Hanks. And K9, <laughs> how's this for a coincidence, has a, a direct-to-video sequel called K911. Nice. <laughs> it's 90 minutes to Hondo! in 90 minutes. I know, Peg. The doors won't open. I know the stores are open. That's where I got this lovely dress. No more. No more. What's that? Buy more? Don't buy anything. Buy a dinner ring? You know, I hadn't thought about jewelry before, but I guess that... No! Don't buy! Bye! <laughs> My wife is out there unsupervised with credit cards. Bundy curse again. Now, I've got a question for you. Is yes. Peg being dumb like she has before in this episode, or is she playing dumb and, and can she genuinely hear not hear what Al's saying, or is she choosing to not believe him and uh, ignore him? I say she's deliberately tuning him out because... Um, that that glass in the door is not soundproof. Um, shops, <laughs> at least in Australia, and I'm sure in the US, do not have soundproof doors. Peggy is just deliberately tuning out and pretending not to listen, or deliberately ignoring Al. Yes, I think you're right. I mean, um, <laughs> her battery dumbness notwithstanding, I think I do like their exchange through the non-soundproof glass, 
I like that. You know, what's that? Buy more, buy more. It's very, it's almost pantomimish. So yeah, I think she's she's doing it on purpose there. But I did like, you know, don't buy, buy. <laughs> <laughs> no kill. I think the problem is Buck's getting too old to jump. Yeah, I know. You throw it to him and I'll lift him. <laughs> this will be good. Okay, Buck. Here it comes, boy. Oh. <laughs> Kelly? <laughs> Kelly? Speak to me. Come closer. Hmm? What? What is it? Oh, oh come on. She's never going to get that frisbee to fit there. <laughs> Well, I'll be damned. Uh, so, yeah, back to Bud and Kelly and Buck. They're in the backyard, which we haven't seen the Bundy backyard for... Hmm. Well, I suppose we would have seen it in How Green Was Your Apple, but this is sort of a, a new angle, really. Yeah. Hmm, sort of nice to mix things up a bit. Bud throws the frisbee, like, <laughs> way out of range, and I suppose the idea is, you know, they want him to jump for it, but it's, you know... Well, Buck's obviously too knackered and too old to jump. I mean, um, obviously, he'd sadly passed away um, in another couple of years in real life. Um, he had a nine-month or about roughly five, five-and-a-half dog years retirement. Yeah, and this these scenes do make me a bit sad. I mean, it sort of makes you realise that Buck is getting old, and um, sooner or later, he's not going to be able to do all the things that they either want him to do, need him to do, or... Buck, the, the character, will, would want to do. So it does make me a little sad. But, yeah, um, yeah there's still we've still got a whole season with him next year. Bud may have been spending too, too much time with Kelly as well because when she did the come closer, speak to me, what, what is it? And he actually leans in and falls for it. <laughs> Which I found funny and sort of believed it because maybe Bud is feeling guilty that he <laughs> knocked his sister out. But they are Bundys, though. Yes, yes. Uh, I thought... I've had worse in my teeth, Kelly. You're going to be fine. Yes, as have I. <laughs> yeah, but she's never going to get that frisbee to fit there. Yeah, I thought that. I mean, no way. I... So back to sab some, save some. Al's still desperate to get out, but Al clearly hasn't been eating his fiver. Come on, fella. Put the bat down. Come sit around the hibachi, swap some stories, huh? <laughs> and I remember seeing this episode years ago, and I was like, what the hell's a hibachi? So that's what made me look it up and find out what a hibachi was, which is basically a Japanese fireball. So it's a traditional Japanese heating device. So because of this episode, I, I, I knew, I learned what a hibachi was. And now, now I've become a, a sushi eater and a Japanese eater, so I should go see, go to a hibachi restaurant again soon. Yum, yum, yum. Mm, yeah, I like a little bit of Japanese food myself. Uh, on a bit of an off-tangent, I'm actually going um, sushi, sushi train or sushi go-round uh, in a couple of days. Oh, I love sushi train. I assume it's the same one. I assume it's the national sushi train. I'm glad they're open again. Same here. The people in the store are swapping stories. But Al's got a story for them. <laughs> I, I was almost going to say, we get a flashback. But no, we get a, a, a flashback, well, of sorts, to... Hondo times. About a little place I like to call America. Can I help you? Birdie but fallen lady? I hope so. They want me to do the can-can down at the saloon, so 
I guess I'm gonna need some cans. You got yourself some fancy book learning, ain't you? Mm -hmm. Howdy, my honest young merchant friend. I need a few things. I need a deck of marked cards, some loaded dice, and some genuine cowhide condoms. Although in these simpler times, we don't need them, but heck, they feel so good, we don't need the woman either. Hey, not in front of the boy, Mr. Darcy, who put ideas in his head. Yeah, next thing you know, he'll be out behind the barn with his wooden woman. Hey, aren't you up a couple of jugs, too? Bumpkins. Afternoon, Miss Evil Bank President. It has come to my attention that these simple times are going far too easy for you folks. Let's see if that changes when you have to use this. What in tarnation is that? It's a computer! And we're gonna make you use them whether you like it or not. <laughs> Now, hold on a second, Pilgrim. <laughs> what is that gizmo? It's not a gizmo, it's a computer! <laughs> now it's a gizmo. <laughs> Now you take your prairie chicken hide and cluck on out of here. Well, I'll be back. And next time, I'm bringing Muzak. <laughs> Thanks, Bundo. Oh, Bundo, you are just the kind of man we need in these sweet and innocent times. Now, if there's anything I can do for you... Well, there is one thing. Take a powder, boy. Uh, not that. No, I'm looking for a copy of that new girly magazine, Bare Ankle. I hear uh, they're coming out with a new 3D issue. What did you think of this whole Western scene with all the characters? Well, obviously, it's meant to... Well, like you mentioned, um, it's meant to be in the Old West because you're in a saloon, so somewhere out, um, out to, say, Colorado, Kansas, Wyoming way, um, before um, scanners, barcodes, computers, about 100 years before. Uh, I mean, I've always been a little bit of a sucker for when TV shows do um, have the characters in these whole um, alternate universe flashback sort of things. Um, sometimes they're better than others, but, uh, yes, <laughs> I did notice the... Um, <laughs> Obviously, got the computers in the old west, which is just bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of I like it too when they have um, characters in well different situations, alternative universes, whatever you want to call it. But uh, what do you think of everyone's accent? Oh well, obviously it's exaggerated because they're trying to do the old western accent, uh, you know. Um, oh, I, mean, <laughs> I fail at accents. Um, for the, I mean, obviously I'm Australian, and the only accents I mean I can really do, well, I can unintentionally do a British accent. Well, really, um, Southern English accent, but that's about it, really. Uh, none of them are actually um cowboys or westerners, so it's all a bit exaggerated. Yeah, just slightly. Jefferson does look very fetching in his outfit, as I'm sure some of the men will say. Kelly looks very fetching in her outfit. Yeah, yep. 
Peg is sitting down, you notice? <laughs> yes, I did, in a rocking chair, knitting. And did you notice, I was about to say, the TV she's watching, but you know, the box she's watching? Did you notice that it had uh, rabbit ears on it? Or a rabbit on it? So they're making a rabbit no, ears I- joke? No, I didn't. I was too mesmerised by the, um, look, would look like the System 6 or 7 Mac in the um, saloon, and also things like <laughs> Bud's Wooden Woman. Yeah, it's Wooden Woman. I, I didn't pick up on this the first time I saw it, but I'm like, oh. One day I realised that there's a rabbit on whatever the box is. You know, like back in the old days, the Fox affiliates needed rabbit ears. and Yeah, Kelly is going to do the can-can down at the saloon, so she's going to need some cans. <laughs> yes. There's a condom joke in there as well, <laughs> which I found interesting. That one slipped me by. What joke was that? Because, again, I'm... Oh, that was um, Jefferson. Uh, he said, I need a deck of marked cards, some loaded dice, and some genuine cowhide condoms. <laughs> in these simpler times, we don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> Not in front of Bud and his wooden woman. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And I noticed Marcy is a um, Charlie Chaplin-esque evil bank president, too. Yeah, Miss Evil Bank President has got him stuff. And she comes with a, a contraption. It's a computer! Yes, the computer I uh, mentioned earlier, which um, I can't tell exactly what it is, but as I mentioned, um, appears to be that Mac of the Vintage 6 or 7 or similar PC. Uh, I can't exactly tell. They may have covered bits of it up, but it uh, looks around that um, 1991, um, early 90s era computer, so it looks like it was already a few years old. Yeah, okay, good, because I was going to ask you if you knew what kind of computer that was. Or, or like, I'm not the most tech-savvy person in the world, but I could tell it was a Mac, uh, a Mac from the early 90s. So can someone tell me exactly what this computer is? You know, it's like with Al's car, you know, some anorak out there will know exactly what that is. But yeah, I know my old Macs pretty well, because um, uh, I grew up in a Mac household. Mum and Dad used them. Uh, I didn't use a PC until I went to um, school when, when I was in... Uh, we had PCs installed in Windows 98 when I was in year two in uh, 98. Uh, what was the first computer you ever used, Anna? Um, I can't remember exactly. Uh, we, had, we were a PC household, but in my... I suppose the... Computers in primary school. I suppose they had computers there, but I didn't use them. But in high school, there were definitely Macs in high school, and that was probably my first time using a Mac. And still to this day, I use PC. But at schools and universities, it's always Macs. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. So not good. Good to see you can use both, Anna. I mean, just I mean, I can as well. Uh, yeah, we get um, PC PCs basically um, in primary and high school. Um, the the PCs in primary school tended to crash. We also had these old British computers from the early nineties in primary school called Acorns for those um, fellow computer geeks out there. I always have fond memories of the Acorns. They had some good games. I bet. I mean, I, I I'm not a gamer, and I was never really a computer gamer aside from. Solitaire and, and uh, a game we had called Gods, I think it was. But yeah, I'm not a gamer, but I know you are. Yes, uh, yeah, very much. For those fellow gamers out there, I'm one of those as well. Uh, ever since I was about uh, three, four, uh, around about since the time this originally aired, uh, pretty much. Uh, yeah, just I think I've had en- I think I've had enough um, IT waffling. Maybe we could do a Patreon exclusive. Matt Matt waffles about computers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could, and you can discuss all the technology and married with children. But we're missing a character, aren't we? I think we're missing Al. Well, hold on a second, there, Pilgrim. Who's that? Huh? Who's walking in the saloon? Huh? Hang on, it's a cowboy. Not just any cowboy. It's Bundo. 
<laughs> and I love how he's called Bundo because that's actually a very Australian form of a nickname. Um, if um Al lived in Australia, he probably would be known as Bundo. Yeah, he probably would, I suppose. Bundo nowadays has um Marlon Bundo is the name of the former vice president's rabbit. And now there's a book called A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo. A fictional book about the real-life pet rabbit of Vice President Mike Pence. Written by Jill Twiss. That's right. Because she's a writer on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. It became a whole thing and they, they sold the book online. So that's what I think of first now when you say Bundo. But I should be thinking of Al Bundo, as in Al Bundy slash Hondo. Which I probably will now, from now on. Again, he comes in and shoots the computer... And he gets all four shots right in that little tiny screen, so he's a pretty good shot. Yes, I mean, obviously this isn't the first time he's wrecked a computer to bits, namely the first time uh, was the Computer Show, Season 3, Episode 20. Uh, the infamous shot where Al smashes a sledgehammer in a computer was actually my desktop wallpaper when I was working in a high school as an IT tech. So when I used to go in a classroom and uh, log in, the, the, the students would used to see that wallpaper on, on the screen in the classroom. <laughs> Oh, the sledgehammer from the computer show in season three. Yes, yeah, so, so that used, so the kids would have seen that, and probably most of them would have no idea what it was. <laughs> I say most because I found Married to Children High School, obviously, and that was long afterwards. So I'm sure there are some young Bundy fans in today's high schools here in Perth. Uh, some of the teachers got it and dug it. Well, Bundo is just the kind of man they need in these sweet and innocent times. I believe you want to see three D issue of Bare Ankle. Yeah, what are the odds? In the 1890s or whatever this is meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that 3D reference brings us back into current times. And Al has bored everybody to sleep with his story. <laughs> now I say we should do what John Wayne would have done. Let's show these machines who's running things. I say we kick some computer butt. <laughs> So he wants to kick some computer butt. <laughs> yes. So he picks up the till and throws it against the door. Ooh, boy, bounce. Ow, knockout. Ooh. For Hondo. <laughs> oh, Al. So yeah, Al gets defeated by a computer again. So we come to a little bit later. Somehow Al's out of the store. Maybe the computers and power and everything came back on. Everything got fixed and Al got out of the store. But he's now resting at home with an ice pack on his head. But guess what? <gasps> what time is it? Hondo! <laughs> and that's the conclusion of the classic western Hondo. Join us February 18th, 2011 for the encore showing of... <laughs> well, I might have missed Hondo. But at least I stood up for what I believed in. Well, honey, you better sit back down again because that computer you destroyed is going to cost $4,000. Well, thank God I make that much in a, in a year. He wakes up at the end of Hondo, which is due to be screened again, as you mentioned earlier, on the 18th of February, 2011. I really hope Al watched it that day because, um, well, come 2028, when it's due to be screened again, um, he'll be 80 years old. <laughs> We'll watch it then, I reckon. But yeah, I hope Al did watch it in 2011 because I did. 
and a few of us over on albundy.net in the forum over there, we we got together and we, uh, I say virtually got together, and we all watched Hondo as the as the official anniversary, we called it. Yeah, we did a group viewing on that date, or as close to that date as, as we could get with the time difference, and there's a giant thread about it somewhere on the forum there, and um, the consensus was that everyone liked it very much. That's a re- that's a that's amazing, and I mean I like the film too. Um, this episode actually, this and all in the family, the the episode, not the series, inspired me to watch Hondo myself. So that that's a good, that's a good enough mark for me as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, absolutely. I like watching things that have been referenced in the show. <laughs> I guess that gives me a deeper understanding. I should watch Hondo again. I can't remember too much about it to be honest, but I didn't I didn't hate it, so that's good. <laughs> and I assume Peggy's just been sitting there next to him this whole time and she could have recorded it or turned on the TV or something, but I guess Al was just out cold. And like Peg would have been ever considerate enough to tape um, Hondo, um, assuming that the video machine was working or not taken back by Marcy or whatever or not taping something Peg wanted to watch. Yeah, and that comp- and to top it all off, that computer that Al has destroyed is going to cost him about four grand. Yeah, shows how much technology's become cheaper over the years. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing Al makes that much, you know, yeah. <laughs> or ten. And then um, Kelly and Bud come back in looking for Buck again because they want to take him rollerblading. <laughs> He's in the basement. Let's get him. You. <laughs> I may be old, but I can still throw my voice with the best of them. <laughs> But guess what? Al never fixed the staff either, so guess what happens? Oh, oh, it's coming to me. Uh, I think Kelly and Bud crash down the stairs because Buck is the epic troll. It's a lot smarter than he looks. Yeah, and he may be old, but he can still throw his voice with the best of them. And spe- <laughs> yeah, and speaking of voices, this is Cheech Marin's third and final stint as the special episode heavy, I guess we'll call it, Buck episodes um what do you think of uh cheech voicing buck in this one well i mean it's not a really buck centric episode so some would say his talents were wasted but considering what buck was doing especially the line at the end uh the whole scene at the end uh i'd say it was still worth it um because obviously i mean obviously um there's another buck centric episode coming up we've kind of touched on earlier but that's really the transition period uh, towards lucky so uh, better for Cheech to do this episode than that one. Uh, so, not wasted, but I do prefer the um, other use of Cheech, Cheech Marin's um, voices buck better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is not... I mean, there's a lot of buck lines, but it's not buck-heavy like our previous episode this season, Change for a Buck. But um, I don't mind Cheech. I mean, we've mentioned before that we like Cheech. <laughs> I sort of wonder why... It's just stunt casting, basically. It's just yeah, the sake of um, having someone famous as opposed to getting his regular voice or voices to take quite a, a big role in an episode. It, it gives Buck a different flavour, but, uh, I mean, Cheech knows how to deliver a line, that's for sure. But then the show finishes on Buck, and you'll notice the directed by, the written by, produced by credits zoom in. They don't display on screen. They actually zoom in to the screen this time. This is the only time that has happened because it's the 3D episode. I guess they want something coming at you in your face. But that's not the interesting part of the credits because the end credits of this episode are possibly my all-time favourite. It's Al and Peg 
because they're the characters on the couch you see normally, but they come into the screen, they're wearing 3D glasses, and they watch the 3D credits roll. And they both sort of try to reach out and, and touch the writing as it goes past and sort of think, what is this? And they're trying to figure out what's going on. And the credits finish and Peg takes off her glasses and she turns to Al and she says, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sadly, again, wrecked on the DVDs, uploaded on your YouTube channel because I've gone and watched them a few times. Whenever I watch this episode, I like to um, go to your YouTube upload of this and finish it correctly. Yeah, that's a good idea, and I like to do that too. If I'm watching it on TV or DVD that's got the replacement music, for instance, or anything like that, I'm like, oh, it's a still frame. Oh, no, because that's, yeah, like I said, that's probably one of, if not my favourite end credit sequence. To me, it feels a bit like the actors as themselves watching it. I mean, in costume, it's not necessarily... Alan Pegg talking because when Pegg says oh I don't get it it just sounds like they're talking as they would normally if you know what I mean yeah whether in character or not I mean it doesn't matter but they're just finishing off the the meta references and the the making fun of the 3D stuff that they have to do by saying they don't get it which I thought was a great way to finish yeah, so when you watch this episode, people, go to the YouTube channel, look up the ending, and uh, watch as it was meant to be aired back in 1994. No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app, and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Fabulous. So... This makes twice in the show that Al has missed Hondo. So how many times are you going to miss Hondo for this episode, Matt? Well, you read my mind, Anna. I was going to suggest exactly the same line for the ratings. No kidding at all. And I'm going to miss the Duke's classic Hondo a total of four times. Why do you ask four times? Well, hey, I'm having to miss um, six, seven hours of film because, well, I mean, obviously I like Buck, I like Cheech Marin, uh, just um, Kelly and Bud playing um, silly with Buck and uh, the whole the, the whole s- s- scene with the Old West with the computer, just seeing the old Mac there. Uh, I, mean, I mean, some of the references don't add up, like obviously the whole Confederate money when you were in Chicago was nowhere near Richmond or Montgomery or whatever. Uh, uh, I love, I'm also a sucker for the whole falling down the basement stairs stairs gag. I mean, especially because it was a cornerstone of this episode. Uh, and how not only Al, but um, Kelly and Bud fall down it. Uh, I mean, I saw, I'll happen to miss Hondo four times. Uh, I think I may have it on DVD. I'm not sure. I've seen it anyway, and I'll be watching it again before 2028. So there you have it. Very good. As for myself, I am going to miss Hondo four times as well and for many of the same reasons that you have said despite the fact that peg has had a bit of attack at the stupids in the first half of this episode there's still a solid premise here and especially 
where Al is concerned, he gets locked in a store. I mean, great idea. The fact that he needs to watch Hondo again, that's a great piece of continuity, whether intentional or not. I like to think it is intentional. And it's a 3D movie at, uh, as well. So that's a great piece of continuity where sometimes this show falls down on continuity. And unfortunately, this show does not get a five because of this huge continuity blunder of Buck's birth certificate being in a couch that has already burned down. Aside from that, it's still an enjoyable episode. The Bud and Kelly and Buck plot is basically your sort of standard B plot, which is fine. It's it's entertaining enough, but it's not as interesting as the main plot. Um, I, I don't mind Cheech Marin voicing Buck for this one. It's just... Like I said before, it does make me a little bit sad because from here on now, Buck is, is getting older and, you know, he's going to be doing less and less and he's just basically going to sit down more and more. But the focus here anyway is the A-plot with Al trying to watch Hondo and the running gag of the broken basement step is one of my favourites anyway as well. And yeah, aside from a, a few little character issues with either people doing silly things or doing stupid things, that's not the character's fault. It's just, uh, <laughs> of course it's not the character's fault, but, you know, that just comes down to the writing. So it's a solid four out of five. For me, I'm going to miss Hondo four times, or we are both going to miss Hondo four times. And I'm perfectly fine with that, because unlike Al, I'll be able to watch again before 2028, and uh, so we, I'm sure you will too, Anna. So, uh, yeah, great analysis as, as always from you. Thank you. Yes, and you too. And yeah, I will certainly watch Hondo before then. I will not wait 17 years. Wow, that's 10 years since it was last shown. So yeah, that's about it for us today here down under in the Australian nudie bar. Tune in next time when the Married Children podcast will be discussing Al Goes Deep. Using their tax refund money, Al and Jefferson bet heavily on a college football game that they are guaranteed to win. But that's before Tremaine's prized, not-so-bright quarterback, Chad, who is being tutored by Bud, falls in love with Kelly, whom she pleasantly distracts from his training. Should be good. I don't know who's written these IMDb synopses, but they all say anonymous, I think. Some of them are real doozies, aren't they? Yeah, some of them makes you wonder who wrote them. <laughs> Peace out, Bundy fans.